Donald Miller here, and if you work in sales, want to learn how to sell, or are curious about the latest in sales news, then you need to check out the Salesman Podcast, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. On each episode, host Will Barron helps sales professionals learn how to find buyers and win big business in effective and ethical ways. Here are a few episodes I've really loved. Digital Sales Rooms, The Future of B2B Sales, Master the Art of Cold Calling, Four Tips on Boosting Sales, and How to Tell a Remarkable Sales Story. If you want to find and win more sales with less stress, then listen to the Salesman Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Business Made Simple Podcast brought to you by the HubSpot Network. Every week on the show, we coach you to build your business like an airplane. The cockpit is your leadership. The body is your overhead. The right engine is your marketing. The left engine is your sales. The wings are your products and the fuel tanks are your cash flow. If you master the six parts of a small business, your business will fly far and fast. Every week, we coach you to optimize your airplane. I'm your host, Donald Miller. Well, today, we're going to talk about the cockpit. We're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk to one of the world's greatest leaders. His name is David Novak, and some of you have heard of him. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He is also the co-founder and retired chairman and CEO of Yum! Brands. You say, what is Yum! Brands? Yum! Brands is uh, Taco Bell, KFC. You probably think if somebody took a brand from $4 billion to $32 billion, they're going to act a certain way. That is not what you're going to find with David Novak. In fact, he talks about self-awareness and some of the best words you will ever hear in terms of leadership advice and certainly have ever been spoken on this podcast you're about to hear in this interview. I absolutely loved this conversation with David Novak. If you have been struggling and you don't know exactly what's wrong with your organization, with maybe even your life, the problem might be you. And here's the great, great news about the problem being you. It's the only problem you can fix with ease. You can fix yourself. David Novak tells us how. David Novak, thank you for coming on today. Well, thank you very much, Don. I was looking forward to this. Well, coaching is a huge part of of, uh, our organization, what we believe in. We have over 200 coaches certified. We're a big believer that you should be coached. Your new book, which is fascinating, we're going to get there in a second, it's called Take Charge of You, How Self-Coaching Can Transform Your Life and Career. But you don't, you're you not just a believer in self-coaching, you're a believer in coaching, period. You've obviously had incredible success. And how has coaching played into that? I, I think one of the big things that I did when I was the CEO of Young Brands is uh, I taught a leadership program called Taking People With You. And I used it as a, as a great opportunity for me to coach the people in the organization. But I had people come in. You believed in it that strongly as the CEO. You'd step into a classroom. Absolutely. And I I, I believe that, uh, you know, it was my job to, to, to help people win. And so uh, I wanted to share with them everything that I knew about the process of leadership, strategy, structure, culture, you know, how to develop a plan and then how to follow through to get results. And it was all geared towards building higher self-awareness so that you could really, you know, sharpen the axe and get better. Well, there are obviously things that you're passionate about that have proven to be elements of success. You're talking to over 300,000 small business owners and some small business owners still fit in the category of trusting their gut, using their intuition, uh, my way or the highway. I don't need to be coached. I don't like the bureaucracy of having to check with others. I don't want a board of directors unless it's three people who will tell me yes. The sort of anti-coaching, anti-collaborative mindset. What's the cost 
of not taking people with you and surrounding yourself by people who not only are not allowed to coach you, but not allowed to disagree with you. Yeah. Well, I think there's that old, you know, how do you get one plus one equals three? Okay. You know, that's the cost. You'll never get to three. And, and oftentimes you'll one plus one will equal less than two. Okay. I think that there's a real law in leadership and that law is no involvement, no commitment. You know, you have people working for you. You know, the best leaders, I, I have a podcast myself, Don, called How Leaders Lead with David Novak. And I interview CEOs and top sports figures and uh, something I really enjoy because I, I, I love learning. But the best leaders have a combination of two things. It's an uncanny combination of two things. Number one, they are very confident, just like these entrepreneurs that you're talking about. They know where they want to go. They are excited about getting there and they think that they can get there. And confidence is a great thing because it can inspire people. Nobody wants to follow somebody that can't get things done. But the other thing that they have is they have humility. And humility is very important because it says to other people, I need you. I can't do it by myself. And this is people like Jamie Dimon. This is, he runs JP Morgan Chase, famous CEO, probably the most famous CEO today. Or it could be uh, Anil Bushri from Workday or Dave Calhoun from Boeing. Or you pick Tom Brady, you know, all these yeah. people that I've interviewed. They're incredibly confident, but at the same time, they're humble. And I don't know why any business leader, small or large, can think that they could do it by themselves, that my way is the highway. That's that's like 1950s leadership. It is. And yet it's amazing how many people stay there and how their companies, you know, don't necessarily suffer, but are capped. They simply don't grow past that person's ability. Now, the best definition or example I've ever seen of humility and leadership is actually from a former governor here in Tennessee. His name is Bill Haslam. And Bill Haslam has this kind of mantra that he says to himself, and I think it's a characteristic of humility, he says, I could be wrong, or what if we are wrong? And what that does is it protects you from blind spots. It protects you from potential mistakes. It also invites collaboration. It says there might be people in the room who are smarter than me. It's this humility that's got a heart and a mind that's open to better ideas than the one I'm presenting. And of course, there's a better idea and we execute it, we're going to get further. Would you consider that an element of humility? Absolutely. In fact, in my leadership program in a book that I wrote called Taking People With You, I, I talked about that. You know, when people used to disagree me with me when I was coming up in business, I kind of had this mindset that some people just don't get it. Some people, <laughs> you know, will, will, will say no every step of the way. You know, I laugh, but I laugh knowingly because I've been that guy. I really have. Been. It doesn't feel like it was that long ago. So. And then you learn, though, Don, and you and I both have learned this, I'm sure, is that the first thing you got to ask yourself is, are they right? See, that's the biggest thing I learned from the mistakes that I made, okay, is that, that I had this arrogance that, you know, they didn't get it, okay, when actually they had something to contribute. And if I would just listen to them, I would have ended up with a better solution. So the first thing you got to ask when people are saying, hey, maybe uh, this isn't going to work is it's not that you shouldn't ask yourself, ah, well, how come they can't be as smart as me? You need to say, hey, are they right? Could they be right? Am I wrong? You know, it, once you ask those questions and then get to the bottom of it, you, you have one of two options. One, you can realize that you're actually right and go forward with even more conviction. Or two, they might be right, and you can change and end up with a much better solution than you would have had in the first place. You know, I think that's what true leadership wisdom is all about. It is having that balance of, of confidence and, and humility. 
I've interacted with some leaders, not many, but there have been some who've done this that I've brought to them a criticism and they have shut me down pretty quickly. And and they make it very clear that at this organization, we're going to see things my way or, or you're going to leave. And that's probably happened twice, maybe three times my, in my 50 years. But at the same time, I don't know that that they're realizing what a bad move that is strategically because essentially I walk away feeling very small, unheard, and I walk away resenting them and not giving my best effort pretty much from that point on. And sometimes if they keep doing that, you have people joining forces behind your back to to work against you. And yet that characteristic, we see it in some leaders that inability to collaborate or take criticism or see blind spots or even admit that they uh, have blind spots. Well, you'll never have any talent. You'll never have any talent. Now, if you have to surround yourself by people who will only comply, you're not going to have any any passion, any energy, any talent. And But it's a hard thing for some people. I want to be compassionate, David. It's a hard thing because, it, you know, this is something that probably comes from childhood. It comes from some trauma where you can't admit that you're wrong. And, that, you know, the, these are these are sort of wounded people. At the same time, though, we've got to be aware of them. I mean, dogs that bite aren't bad dogs. They're just dogs that have an issue. And you got to be careful regardless. I want to know, though, from your perspective, because you have been a great coach, you've taught classes on coaching, you have been coached yourself. What does a good coach do? Well, I think a good coach helps people achieve things that they otherwise would not be able to achieve without them. Mm. I think a good coach helps people gain self-awareness. You've come back to self-awareness a couple times, and it's not a common characteristic in leadership that people talk about. I personally feel like it is the secret superpower that really great achievers have and some others don't, is self-awareness. Can we just pause here? Because if a coach is going to help me gain self-awareness, how would you define self-awareness and what do you get with self-awareness? Well, I think what self-awareness is is really reality. You know, some people, you can see the world the way how it really is or the way how you want it to be. You're much better off to see it the way how it really is. In leadership, the first responsibility in any business is to define reality and then create hope. Okay. When you think about coaching, you got to help people define reality for themselves. The only way that they can define reality for themselves is through self-reflection and understanding, you know, how they impact people and understanding what their areas of strengths and opportunities are. You know, once you know that, then you can really put a plan together that's going to grow yourself just like you can grow a business. But it's very hard to grow a business if you don't understand what the reality of, of, of your competitive situation is, your customer situation, financial situation. It's kind of hard to grow something if you don't understand reality. I think self-awareness is that same kind of reality, but it's not for your business necessarily. It's, it's for you. And then once you have that, then you can develop an action plan that'll get you to where you really want to go. David, how did you invite criticism or, or other perspectives? You know, we've got a lot of people listening. They have a small business. That business is growing. It's a quarter million. It's going to half million. And pretty soon you got people who are working for you. Their jobs depend on you and maybe even your approval. And then the next step is people aren't going to come to you and say, your flies down. Uh, and the next thing you know, you haven't been criticized in a really long time and you think you're not making mistakes that you're actually making. You can see how this happens, that you get out of the practice or even the need for self-awareness. You ran a multi-billion dollar public company that was extremely successful. I can't imagine the temptation or the, the elements that were in play in your life 
that would cause you to go the opposite direction. And yet you leaned in to the need for self-reflection and self-awareness. What mechanisms, if you don't mind sharing, did you have to put in place in order to get there? First of all, I think you got to have a great desire to be the best you can possibly be. Which necessitates the understanding that there's part of you that isn't the best, that there are parts of you that need work. And that even if you're really good at what you do, you got to polish the diamond. You know, sometimes you have some characteristics. If you continue to them, you'll derail. You better understand what those things are or you won't get to the next level. Sometimes you need to lean in heavier to the strengths that, to, that you have so that you can get where you want to go. You know, the one thing that I think it's important for everybody to, to understand, you're not admitting weakness when you need other people. You're not admitting weakness when you self-reflect. You know, the more vulnerable you become, the more inspirational you become. You know, people don't want to work for somebody that's perfect. They want to work for somebody that's competent, has humility, and, and, and believes in them. You know, once you feel like you're not needed, you're through, and people will go somewhere else. For me, I always was just trying to be the best David Novak I could be. I call it being your best self. And gosh, if there's anybody out there that thinks they're perfect, I'd like them to, you know, think a little bit harder about that. But I, I'm going to give you a really good question, Don that I think every, every entrepreneur should ask everybody that they work with when they get the opportunity, you know, whether it's the, the person at the bottom of the organization or the top. What would you do if you were me? Wow. God, what an empowering wow. question that is, okay? Just ask, what would you do if you were me? That's my favorite question to ask anybody that I ever came into contact into any business that I've ever run. Spring is a time for planting and growing, not just in your garden, but for your business. HubSpot helps your business grow better with intuitive service tools dedicated to cultivating deep roots with your customers. Customer portals keep all your ticket conversations going between customers and reps, so issues are quickly and easily resolved. Mobile inboxes keep your teams productive on the go with tools for collaboration while seamlessly delivering support. And custom surveys allow teams to solicit feedback and insights that help improve your customer experience and customer relationships. Learn how your business can grow better at HubSpot.com. And now back to the show. The first time you ask that question, to your point about people not really want to tell you your flies down, people say, oh, uh, nothing. You're just great. Well, don't, <laughs> you better ask the question again. Okay. Yeah, and they'll yeah. still say, oh, you're just doing a great job, Don. No, you know, I mean, ask it the third time. And then they might say, well, you know, Don, one thing you could do, maybe you should do this or you might do that, but you got to be somebody who really wants to hear what other people have to say and they know it. And then I think it's really important for you to tell people that when somebody saves you from yourself, you know, it's much, it becomes much more important in business that the higher up you are, that you celebrate other people's achievements more than you, more than what you come up with. And I think it's very important for people to basically tell, tell people that I was going to go this direction, okay, if it hadn't have been for you. Tell people that. Now, that takes confidence to do that. But if you're good at what you do, if you really are someone that could think it's my way is a highway, okay, why can't you be confident enough to hear what somebody else has to say? And, and then you can still make the decision. You can still take people down the highway, but you got to be confident enough to hear what people have to say. You know, that's one of the reasons why I, I wrote this book, you know, Take Charge of You, How Self-Coaching Can Transform Your Life and Career, is because I want to give people the tools that they can use to become their best self. 
How do you have self-awareness? How do you really figure out what your single biggest thing is that you need to, to, to grow yourself and to grow the business? How do you get a growth mindset? How do you continuously improve? And, yeah. you know, any idea you can convince yourself of is much, much superior than when somebody just tells you something. In fact, I think telling is not selling. Self-discovery is what really gets you to go one way or the other. And that's what we do with this book. Will you walk me through an element of self-coaching? I think we all understand the idea of coaching and having a coach in our lives. What do you mean by self-coaching? And can you give me an example of how we could apply that in our lives? So many people are frustrated because, oh, I need a coach. Or I need a mentor. Well, why don't you take accountability for, for your own life? And by the way, the best leaders that I've talked to take total accountability for their own, own development. And that doesn't mean that they don't go to other people for coaching but they go there with focus. They find the assistant coaches that are going to help them, you know, pick up the tools that they really need. But they're the head coach. They're the head coach of their own personal development. One of the things that we try to help people do is, you know, everybody's talking about this great resignation and resigning and going from this job to the other job. And what are you going to go to? When you're going to leave one job, where are you going to go and why? And so what we try to do is ask people to write down one of the exercises Write down all the things that, that are joy blockers, the things that take joy from your life. Now, write down all the things that are joy builders. Then look at your calendar. Look at the time you spend. How much of your time is being spent in the joy blocker phase? If you look at your life and you're over on that joy blocker side of the page and you're not on the joy builder side of the page, then you better try to figure out inside your company or outside it what, what you need to do to get more, get the joy in your life. Because once you have joy, you have purpose. And purpose is much better than passion. Passion is great. Passion can be fleeting. It can come and go. But purpose is sustainable. And, you know, that's why Warren Buffett, I guarantee it, tap dances to work. It's because <laughs> he's doing what he loves and he's got purpose. He's found his joy and, and that's what he's pursuing. And that's very, very sustainable. David, I love it. You know, you said something earlier and uh, it reminded me of an exercise I do almost every morning, probably four or five mornings a week. I read my eulogy. You know, it's an old Stephen Covey trick where you write your eulogy from the perspective of the end of your life and then you try to live into that story. And the last line of my eulogy is Donald Miller was remembered for helping other people win. And you sound like that's exactly how you want to be remembered and you're actively heading there. As a final question, I want to know, just even from a personal curiosity standpoint, you were the head of a multi-billion dollar company. You were incredibly financially successful. While you were doing that, you were helping other people win, but you've pivoted. You've transitioned your life to where it looks like almost exclusively you are sharing and leveraging your experience to help other people experience success themselves. I want you to compare and contrast the level of meaning that you felt while you were coming up to the level of meaning that you have now while you're giving so much away. What's the difference in, and are you enjoying life more now? Well, you know, I was at Young Brands from 1997 to 2016. I ran the company as a CEO for basically pretty much that whole time. And people ask me, how do you feel? You know, now that you've left Young Brands, I said, you know what? I didn't know I could love something so much and miss it so little. <laughs> Why is that? Because I did some self-coaching. I decided that what gives me passion is developing leaders and sharing everything that I know about leadership. That gives me joy. The other thing that gives me joy is my family. 
And the third thing that gives me joy in these, this stage of my life is my golf. Those are the three things that give me joy. And so anything that falls outside of those three things, I say no to. And I'm very happy. And, and I have to tell you, there's a lot of research done that says the happiest people in life are other directed. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm very happy. I think the majority of my day focusing on, on how I can help others through my leadership development or how I can lift their spirits when I'm with them, you know, how I can help. And the, I think today I'm happier than I was when I ran Young Brands. And I loved Young Brands. I loved it. But I'm more fulfilled, more satisfied in, in what I'm doing today than I was when I ran a great company, which, which I absolutely loved. In fact, I'm going to be speaking at the, their 25th anniversary in two weeks, you know, and uh, it'll be great to go back and see my old friends. But I, I, I've moved on so much. That's incredible. Well, I think if there's anything to pull from your interview, and there's about 25 things, the happiest people in the world are other directed. The new book is called Take Charge of You, How Self-Coaching Can Transform Your Life and Your Career. Uh, David Novak, it has been an honor to talk to you today. I mean, a true honor. I'm very grateful. Thank you, Don. Yeah, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. My gosh, that hit me. It hit me hard. And uh, I hope it hit you the same way. Self-awareness. That seemed to be the theme that I was picking up on most. And listen, at the end of every episode, I give you, as you know, a plan of action from today's coaching conversation. These are the main takeaways you can immediately implement to strengthen and grow your business. And today's plan of action is about just that. It's about self-awareness. I believe so firmly that self-awareness will predict the slow-moving progress that leads to greatness. I'm going to repeat that again. Self-awareness predicts the slow-moving progress that leads to greatness. And why do I say slow-moving? Because self-awareness often doesn't make progress happen quickly. Uh, In fact, it can make it happen really slowly. A lack of self-awareness often comes in personalities that are arrogant. Let's just face it, arrogant, cocky people have short-term wins. And what I've noticed in my years on this planet, short-term wins, long-term demise. Something happens that destroys everything that a lack of self-awareness creates. And really what it is, is imagine driving around in a car with no rearview mirror and no side mirrors, right? I mean, you know, you don't need them. You can just look over your shoulder, right? I've heard it so many times when people have an accident. They came out of nowhere. No, they didn't. (laughs) Nobody comes out of nowhere. They were there. That other car was there. And uh, because we didn't check our mirrors and our rear mirror, we got hit. I think that's what a lack of self-awareness does. Certainly, you can drive around without mirrors. You can be safe for months, even years. But sooner or later, you're going to have an accident. And I think that's what a lack of self-awareness does. I think David Novak's definition of self-awareness is one of the best that I've ever heard. He defined it, if you remember correctly, this way, the ability to understand and accept reality. I'm telling you, I've been this guy when I was younger. I don't want to know reality. I don't want to accept it about myself. I just want you to tell me what I want to hear. I would say I spent a chunk of my 20s and early 30s contextually living in that place. And I say contextually because I was willing to accept it as a writer. I was not willing to accept it in personal relationships. I would not want to hear that I'm wrong or have anywhere to grow. That cost me years. Got married when I was 42. 
for crying out loud. But if you are not self-aware inside of relationships or if you if you you believe that every relationship is some sort of leverage game where everybody's trying to compete for a scarcity of social resources, that relationship is never going to work. And it took me a long time to figure out that in the majority of my relationships, I was the problem. I wasn't the only problem, but I was the bigger problem in the majority of them. And I had to learn. I had to accept reality. And the beautiful thing about accepting the reality about how you are and who you are and the faults you have is that, you know, if they're faults that you have, you can easily change them. You can change. I mean, it is the one thing that you get to change in this world is you. You get to change the way you see the world. How encouraging to have a, a leader who scaled a company up to $32 billion talk about the importance of knowing your faults, understanding those faults as a secret weapon. Believe me, it's a counterintuitive secret weapon. So define reality as it relates to you. Self-awareness is today's plan of action, but it's not going to stop there because the other great piece of advice that he offered as it relates to leadership is create hope. And he didn't say find hope. He didn't say define hope. David Novak said, create hope. So reality is not good, or if it is not good, then as leaders, we say, well, where can we go? What can we build? Uh, what can we do? to create a place we can go to, a destination we can go to, an ob objective that we can bring into the world that is hopeful. That's one of the best definitions of leadership that I've ever heard. Define reality, create hope. You know, one without the other can take you under. You define reality, you don't create hope. It can be a very dark world. But to do that as a one-two punch, define reality and create hope. I think is an absolutely fantastic plan of action and it's a fantastic definition of leadership. David Novak, thank you so much for coming on the show today and you're welcome back anytime. All right, all this talk about coaching and the need for coaching is a softball hanging over the plate and I'd be a, a terrible business leader if I didn't hit it. We have a coaching program. We have a, a coaching program where we certify business coaches to help small businesses engineer their small business like an airplane. We teach you and license you in the six frameworks that help you do that. If you want to pivot your career and become a business coach, or if you are a business coach and you'd like to be certified in our frameworks to deliver more and more value to your customers, then apply to be one of our coaches today. When you apply, it's not a commitment to become one of our coaches or to get certified. All it is, is is a request for a conversation with one of our representatives to make sure that we're a good fit for each other. If you'd like to apply, just go to certifiedbusinesscoach.com. Just go to certifiedbusinesscoach.com, and we'd love to have you in our next cohort of coaches. All right, everybody. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Business Made Simple podcast, where we help you build your business like an airplane so you can fly far and fast. See you again next week.